You know, if somebody does a series on the Sermon on the Mount, they're going to talk about a lot of issues that people will want to talk about. We kind of have our pet scriptures and our pet things that we like to talk about. But see, God just didn't give you one, one verse or one book. He gave you the whole Bible. And if we're ignoring any of it, we need to ask ourselves, why are we ignoring it? We ignore it because we may get convicted, and we don't like that. And I don't like it anymore, and you do when God convicts me. But I'd rather have God convict me than allow Satan to condemn me, wouldn't you? And uh, that's what God does. So if God is convicting you of something in your life, thank him. Because that means he wants you to grow. And like Rich said earlier, we only grow, seems like we do our best growing when we're having problems and situations. We hate them at the time we're going through them, but when we look back on them, we think, man, you know, I learned a lot from that. And when we do that, when we're looking in the problem or whatever it is, we need to look at the ones we had before and how God dealt with it. And he was faithful there, and he will be faithful this morning in anything that you're dealing with. And if God has helped anybody else that you know, he will help you. He will intervene. Usually the biggest uh, problem that we have, we look at in the mirror every morning. I tell you, I tell you, I could, God could do so much more if I just get out of the way. And I pray, God, let me get out of the way. And uh, so anyway, in Matthew, the first five, five, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, Jesus described the standards he expected of his followers. And I know the, the Beatitudes, and, and we like them, and, and we don't look at them in the relationship that Jesus was talking. And he talked the Sermon on the Mount as a group, as a whole. So we just can't pick out the things we like out of it and do it. We need to accept the whole thing. And in verse 21, Jesus talked about um, being... Our righteousness had to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees because they were very religious and pious and that. But the, God said, her, you need to be more righteous than that. You had to have righteousness from within, not the external a- uh, actions. And that's what religion is. It, religion is external. Those are the things that we do. And what God wants us to have religion from the heart. Because when Jesus comes into our life, we don't have a lot of problems with a lot of things we think we would. God takes away those things. I was telling somebody, I don't know what it was, just this week or last week or whatever. I says, God didn't call us to clean the fish. He just called us to help catch him. And how do we catch him? You catch him with putting something on a hook <laughs> and making them want to desire it. I was looking at somewhere in the news. It said somebody was out there doing some test things with the hooks and, and hooked a big, huge shark, largest one they've ever seen. And so you never know what you're going to get with a hook. <laughs> but Jesus told us to be fishers of men, not hunters of men. We want to be hunters. I want to be a hunter. God, let me be a hunter. I can get a lot of people in your kingdom. Just go. Pow, 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 pow. We could do that. Man, I'd love to do that. But he called us to be fishers of men. He called us to be witnesses, to be examples of the kingdom that flows through us. So they will be, they will be drawn to the light that is in you. That's what God's called us to do. And uh, go beyond the, the hunting mentality that we have. And then in Matthew 5, 22 through 48, he gives us six examples of ways that the scribes and Pharisees had twisted the law to suit their own life, lifestyle, to get away with it. I don't like that, so I'm going to change that law. That's what we do, isn't it? That's what our, our government does. I don't like that law, so I'm going to change it to fit what I think we should do. And that's the reason we ended up a mess. We ended up in a mess in the government. We end up a mess in our own lives when we try to find things to twist and make it, trying to find a way to make it okay to do things. And then he goes from there to dealing with the motivations behind everything that we do. And this is in order. He starts out with the things, and that's the way it is for us. We become a believer. Christ starts changing our lives. And 
then we, he tells us to look at things. Because sometimes, you know, he said, we can't crucify ourselves because if we're crucifying ourselves, we could go like this. And then we say, hey, look at me. I crucified myself for Jesus. Look at me. Look at me. That's, that's only normal. We're, it's just naturally. And uh, Jesus told them that do we, sometimes we can do the right things for the wrong reasons. Now, I'd rather have people do the right things for the wrong reasons than do the wrong things, wouldn't you? And uh, that's why I tell people, you know, about certain things, and, and they don't like certain religions and that. And I said, at least they're moral. If we're going to have people that aren't going to serve Christ and have their own religion, at least let it be a moral one. Do you agree? I don't want to have, have a, a lot of issues with, with those kind of things. But uh, why do people do the things may not be obvious to us? Years ago, vandals cut down six huge royal pines along a major Miami boulevard. The city wasn't sure if they could pay to replace palms that large. But then someone donated six more, even bigger ones. They even paid to have them planted. The old ones were 15 feet high and were a nice foreground to the billboard which said, Fly Delta. The new ones were 35 feet high, completely hiding the sign. The new donor was Eastern Airlines. So sometimes, you know, we think, ah, it's a good thing or whatever, but they have an ulterior motive. And sometimes that's what we do. We have an ulterior motive for things that we do. Uh, whether we want to admit it or not, we do. We try not to. That's just that old nature, that old sinful nature sticking up its head and getting out in the open. When I don't like him, I like to say, Ned, get out of here. Just quit. But we're going to have this struggle as long as we're here till Jesus changes our hearts or changes our physical bodies, our glorified bodies. We were talking about um, glorifying God, and we were talking about glorifying our uh, bodies that we were going to get. And we're, we're excited on Wednesday night. So if you're missing Wednesday nights, you're missing out. If you miss any service in this church, you're missing out. You're missing it. Nobody that's here this morning is going to miss a great message. How do I know? Because I know God's going to anoint it and give it to you, different than when I packaged it. <laughs> because that's what he does. And if you're missing out on prayer, you're missing out. Because it's hard to pray. The hardest thing we do is pray. I don't want to come to church and pray. I'd just soon stay home. I'd rather come to pot bless. Everybody likes pot bless. So it's hard. Some of the things, Jesus, if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? But anyway, no extra charge for that. Now then Jesus uses the three most important aspects of the religious devotion in Judaism, which is prayer, giving, and fasting. And the Pharisees did the same thing they always do. They twisted just a little bit to suit their own purposes. Now the question is, motive is still violent today, isn't it? Uh, uh, we do things sometimes for the wrong reasons, or I don't know, sometimes, like I told you many times, I said, I don't want to worry about so much about the motive I'm doing things for, because then I spend so much time worrying about why I'm doing it that I don't do anything. So if you're worried about that, just do it and forget it and let God take care of it. He'll sort it out in the end. But see, God wants us to give, pray, and fast, but for the right reasons. So that's why Jesus addressed them. Now, he would, uh, Jesus' disciples were to practice religion from the heart, not just the external thing. See, we don't like religion. I don't, we, we don't have a religion here. We teach a relationship with Christ. Now, if you want to have a religion, go ahead and have it. But God died. Jesus came and died for a relationship, not a religion. God set up Judaism, so he already had a religion that he established. So if we're going to have a religion, that's the one you need. Because that's the one God set up. But Jesus come and changed all and said, I want a relationship with you. And that relationship will help you live 
the religion. That's the reality of it. If you're struggling with trying to do things wrong, draw closer to God, and he will give you the strength to do that. Amen? Now, Jesus introduced this subject in Matthew 6.1. It says, Take heed that you do not, do not your righteousness before men to be seen of them, else ye have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Now, take heed. I gave you the, the, the Greek word for that, uh, which is pros echos, or something like that. And it means beware. Beware. Now, if you hear a beware of dog sign, we kind of look around for a dog, don't we? And sometimes it's a little chihuahua that runs out. So the sign lied. <laughs> but, of course, it could be a mean, a mean chihuahua. Oh, my, that fell off. Thank you. See, I'm already getting excited here. And uh, so Jesus is telling us to beware. Now, if Jesus is warning us about something, we need to look at it, don't we? And then he says, to be seen. That's another Greek word. Theahome, or something. Like I said, I, I just ought to get a Greek thing and, so I can pronounce these words. And this is where we get the word theater from. And uh, we talked about it last week that hypocrite means... Originally meant actors. We don't have the hypocrite awards. We have the Academy Awards. In reality, we say, hey, you're a hypocrite. You're an actor. And that's what a lot of people are who are playing church. Or they're trying to live their religion. When it's not in their heart, they're just acting. And God doesn't want actors. Of course, some of the, he does if that's your line of work. But in the, in the, Religious aspect and relationship aspect, he wants us to be true. He doesn't want us to be acting. And when you get closer to God, you don't have to act. Amen? Amen. So we need to take heed. And it, this word take heed is in the present tense. That means it's a continual action. We have to continually be aware that when we're doing things, we're doing them for God and not for ourselves to be seen of men. Because if we're seen of men, that's our reward. I'd rather have God reward me than man, wouldn't you? Yeah. So we are continually to guard against doing the wrong things for the right reasons. Or the right things for the wrong reasons, whatever it is. So anyway, most of us have learned that we can't say that there are any absolutes. Because as soon as you say there are no absolutes, somebody will say, are you absolutely sure? So we sit there and we look at that. And there are no absolutes as far as we're concerned. But there are absolutes as far as God is concerned. And God, Jesus said, if you are doing this to be seen of men, that's your reward. And you won't be rewarded by my Father, our God, our Father, for them. Period. That's it. So if that's the reason you're doing it, be happy with the being seen of men and letting them reward you. But you get a reward one way or the other. We're all getting a reward one way or the other. Either God's going to reward us or man will. And uh, I know sometimes we get both. Because if you're doing it and not plan on being seen to men, then somebody tells it and say, oh, no, I just lost my reward. No, you didn't. You didn't worry about it because you're not promoting yourself. When we start promoting ourselves, that's what God has a problem with. So if we want man, uh, man's approval or God's, that's, that's the choice that we have. Now, Jesus gives us three areas of religious devotion that have the wrong and the right way of doing them. The first of all is we give. If we give to be seen of men, that's our reward. Now, we talked about that last week, about giving. So I'm not really going to re-preach that sermon just to kind of uh, refresh your memory. 
uh, what the Pharisees, when they gave. Now, this is above the tithe. He isn't talking about the tithes in these verses because that is above the tithe. The tithe already belongs to God. Now, are you giving God the leftovers? Are you giving him the apple core of the apple? I don't know. That's only you can answer that from your heart. We're supposed to give him the first, first and the best that we have. But then above that, we give. We get, above that comes the building fund. Above that comes our missionaries. And God will bless us. Unless we're doing, oh, I'm going to give this for that reason. <clears throat> so, but the Pharisees, when they gave, they hired a term trumpeter to come before them and said, hey, look at me, I'm going to go give some money to the poor. I'm going to go give some money to whatever. Look at me, look at me. And they'd hire trumpets to blast and whatever. That's what God's talking against. You don't give to be seen of men. They did because it made them feel more religious. Look, I'm more religious. Come look at me, I'm going to give. Come look at me, I'm going to do this. That's what God doesn't want. So, uh, (coughs) it isn't whether something is done publicly, but it's the emotion, motivation behind it. (coughs) There's a misconception that we should never be motivated by reward. And that's really not true. Because, you know, it sounds pretty spiritual. Say, oh, I don't, I don't want to get any reward from man. Or I don't want to be any reward from God. I'm just doing it because I love Jesus. That's enough. Well, when you say that, you're saying I'm more spiritual than Moses was. Hebrews 11, 24 to 26. <clears throat> it says, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. You say, well, oh, Christ hasn't been born yet. So he wasn't either. He was looking forward to that. And God, three persons, Trinity, Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit. So he was looking forward to a reward from God. And uh, he wanted God to reward him, man, and that's what we need to do. Now, heaven itself isn't a reward for having a faithful life. I think if I just do enough good things, I'm going to go to heaven. Well, that isn't going to get you to heaven. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Salvation is by faith through grace and not of yourselves. It is gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Being good, doing good deeds, or whatever those kind of things are, doesn't earn you heaven. When you become a believer, it's because you said, God, I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. Please, save me, Lord. I give you my life. That's how you get saved. It's not, God, look what I did. I gave to the church. I did this, and I showed up on work day, and it was hot. Oh, man, it was hot. But I showed up, therefore let me in. God isn't going to care. He's going to say, show me your citizenship papers. There will be no illegal aliens in heaven. Everyone here that's a believer are believers. We become citizens. Jesus said that. He says, no, none of those people that haven't accepted me are going to be allowed in heaven. That's the reality of it. We are citizens of heaven. And uh, the only one way to get there. And the roads are wide open for you. The gates are wide open for you. You don't have to sneak in the back door. You can come boldly to the throne of God. And become a citizen. I like that aspect of, of being a Christian, don't you? I don't like having to do things in order to get it. But the Bible says a lot about the rewards for faithful Christians. 
Now we know, we talked about it in, in uh, Bible study, about the judgment seat of Christ. And we think, oh man, that sounds, oh, that sounds scary. Well, it isn't. The judgment seat of Christ is a reward ceremony. You get to come and be rewarded. Now that's a, that's a whole lot nicer, isn't it? When we think about judgment, we think about reward, and it's at that time all the motives of our heart will be revealed. And everything that we've done for the wrong motives will be burned up. Because we can't take that kind of stuff into heaven with us. And you won't care at the time. And I know many times, it doesn't matter. Like I said, I'd rather do good things and forget about it, and they get burned up, then I'll have a bonfire. It doesn't matter. I want to do things for God, but, but God will sort it out in the end. Amen? The great white throne is the judgment you don't want to go to. Because if you find yourself there, it's over for you. People that show up the great white throne judgment aren't going to heaven. They're going to be judged by what they did, and their punishment is going to be related according to their works, what they've done. And your punishment, they, they're well, not yours. None of you are going there, but uh, hopefully. <clears throat> but God, God judges the people's works. So the people that have do, done things that are really bad, Hitler's going to have a more serious judgment than people that are just going and playing church. But they're still going to end up in the same place because there's only two places. They don't like to admit it. People don't like to talk about it. We kind of uh, kind of rush over it. And we go to, every time we go to a funeral, we, everybody there has gone to heaven. No, they're not. You know, you go, to, you go to funerals sometimes, you wonder, who in the world are they talking about? All those good things that they did. And sometimes they have to make them up because they didn't exist. And why don't they say, I don't want to speak ill of the, Ill of the dead. How many of you heard that? They're dead. We can't do that. So we make up stuff. And I know it's nice to remember all the things that they do, and it's nice to hope that they all went to heaven. But the reality is they haven't. And I don't, want, I don't like preaching sermons for unbelievers. It's, it's hard. It's hard doing that. <laughs> but hopefully I won't have to do that anymore. I don't like it. So the first motive Jesus addressed was the right way to give, and we dealt with that last week, so we aren't going to go over it over again. The second motive Jesus addressed was prayer. Matthew 6, 5. <clears throat> and when you pray, like Cliff said today, when you pray, not if, you shall be not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, Jesus talks about the motivations behind prayer more than I think any of the other things, because that's the easiest one for us to, to pervert, really, in reality. We want to be the, the kind of person that says, oh, man, when I pray, I want to have people who say, man, that was a great prayer. Oh, I wish I could pray like that. Sometimes we don't admit it, and I listen to these, these prayers that people pray uh, in these uh, government f- functions, if they allow it, and they, they read these prayers that they've spent a long time figuring out this prayer. Because they're not praying to God, they're praying for the people. They're praying for the people to hear. And trying to be politically correct. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong to do. You can do that. I say pray the, pray the Psalms or whatever you want to do. I'm not saying that that's wrong. But we need to realize that uh, we need to talk to God, period. And, and just, like he's, just like I talked to, talk to my friends, talk to, my, talk to Randy. Because God is our best friend. Anyway, he wants to be. God wants to be your best friend. And if he's not your best friend, guess who's the problem? It's us. And we know it. And God will come in and be our best friend if we let him. So um, 
let's see. It's not a sin to pray in public. It's not a sin to stand while praying because, you know, we can pick anything we want out of this. See, we can only kneel because he said if you're standing. They were standing, so we can't do that. We can stand. You can pray it any way you want. You can stand to pray. You can sit to pray. You can lie down to pray. It doesn't make any difference. You're talking to God. I've talked to Randy when I've, when I've been in bed. I've talked to him everywhere in the house because it's, it's, he's real, and God's with us everywhere we go. But it's not a sin to pray in those things. It is a sin when we want to do it for man to hear. Now, there's a right and wrong way to pray. Matthew 6, 6. This is the wrong way. But when you pray, go into your room. Oh, excuse me, the right way. Shut the door. And you pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, Jesus tells us the value of praying in secret. Anytime you pray in secret, you're praying not to be seen of men, you're just talking to God. And it's the best time to, you know, in a lot of ways to, talk, to pray because you don't have to worry about anybody hearing what you're saying because we are aware of those kind of things. And we say, oh, man, I've got to pray, but, oh, man, I've got to pray this properly because, you know, they might, might pick up something and I, whatever. And so it influences the way we pray. But when we're in secret by ourselves, we can pray in the way we want. I've even told God I'm mad at you. I'm mad in my heart, and I'm, you know, frustrated and things, so I tell God all this stuff. It's okay, because I go to God with it. Don't tell everybody else. Tell God, because God's the only one that can change it. Quit spending all the time doing the, doing, talking to other people. <clears throat> so here Jesus tells us the value of praying in secret. <clears throat> uh, let's see, Matthew 6, 7, and 8. <clears throat> But when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for many words, for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. <clears throat> now, what was going on here was the Pharisees, they were um, not anointing their heads, anointing or putting oil on their heads, and, and I guess that uh, it dried out the scalp when they didn't. And they looked, didn't look so good with their hair that way. I know that I, I was reminded uh, when I read this again about my son, Jason, our oldest son, when he was a baby, and if I didn't put all, uh, oil on his head, he would get cradle cap and be scaly and whatever. I know we associate that. So evidently that was what was happening there, so they wouldn't do it. And not only that, they carried it, carried it a step further. And they'd cry about it and with their tears, and their tears would spread it all over their face and then put ashes on it, on their face, so they looked bad. You know, I guess they thought it was Halloween. I don't know. And they, so they looked bad, and they wouldn't take a bath. Now, that part I didn't like. I mean, I could handle the, the, the other two, but not taking a bath. And that means no deodorant. Of course, I'm not sure they had it back then. And they would never, they wouldn't change their clothes. So they would suffer, but the problem is they were fasting. They wanted everybody to know, I am fasting. Feel bad for me, I'm fasting, because I'm so much more religious than you are. And that's all it was. It was just for show. So they were doing it for the wrong reasons. And God wasn't going to honor it. God says, do it in secret. Don't tell anybody about it. If you're fasting, go around and say, Oh, I can't, I can't do this. Oh, you know, I got to fast this week, so nobody bring me any food. And I'm not fasting, so just in case you want to know. <laughs> <clears throat> so, but that's what they were doing. And the other thing is don't 
repeat repetition of vain prayers. Now we have a whole world that prays vain prayers. Even this, um, the Lord's Prayer, we can pray in a vain way. And a lot of people, they get up and say, Our Father, what in heaven, not be the name of the Lord. Well, I got my prayers for the day. That's vain repetition. You're not doing it with any meaning. You're not praying it from the heart. You can pray God's word, but do it from the heart. Don't do it just saying, oh, i got to get this done so I can go, go to work or go play or whatever it is. And the vain repetition that people use, and we have a lot of religions that do a lot of repeti repeti repetitions. You know, the Muslim, Muslims, they don't have specific prayers that they pray. When that prayer call comes, they come and they, they just say this mantra over and over again, you know, and they do their, their, their thing that they do. But it's meaningless. They're just going through the motions. And they can't do anything but go through the motions because they are, their Allah isn't the real God. Amen. That's the reality of it. Their God isn't the God of the Bible and isn't the God we serve. Amen. So it's just wasted. Their, their prayer, their devotion is wasted. But their dedication is there. Their dedication is to their religion. If we were as dedicated to our religion as they were, what could we do for God? See, we pray, I'll pray, God send a missionary. Well, maybe God wants you to go. Or God, go, to, go say, send a witness to my neighbor. God tells you to go witness to him. Your religion is to go. Jesus commanded all of us to go. Now, where you're going is up to God, to your neighbor's house, down the street, anywhere that, that you have opportunity. That's where God wants you to go. Because we are missionaries. Every one of us is a missionary. Everybody says, well, I went on a mission for two years. Well, guess what? I've been on a mission for over 25 years. <laughs> when you're called, you're a missionary. The whole world is lost. And actually, we need the missionaries to come here. And they are coming here. Because we are more ungodly than the nations of the world we're sending missionaries to. So we need to pray, and God has called you to go. If every one of us in this congregation this morning would go, this place would be packed. So if a person that came around come to your mind while I was talking about this, those are the ones God's sending you to. And I know it's, oh man, it's so hard, and I don't might not have the right thing to say. Well, trust God. If you don't have the right thing to say, <laughs> say, I'll come back to you on that. Give them your testimony, what God's done for you. We have a whole world of hurting that people out there, and we have people with testimonies, like Rich. He's got a testimony. We have a testimony. There's a lot of people who have a testimony. And that's what they want. They want to hear what God has done for you. And that same God can do it for them. Because God's no respecter of persons. He loves me just the same as he loves you. He loves you as much as he loved Paul or Peter or anybody that you read in here. God loves you just as much. We need to start remembering how valuable we are to God. Instead of walking with our head down and, oh me, I got this terrible with it too. I'm tired. God, why do you hate me so much? That's what we do. We run around with old me's about things we realize we serve a God that can change that situation. But our faith, oh, no, I don't want to get rid of the problems because, you know, I'm, I am this martyr idea about myself. I want to be a martyr for Jesus. I don't want to be a martyr for Jesus. I want to live for him. If God calls me to be a martyr, I will. But I, I'm called to go. And I'm called to do what God's asked me to do. Same thing as you. I'm no different than you are. When I leave, leave the door of this church, I'm the same person you are. We're called to go. <clears throat> so, uh, and some of the most effective prayers have been short. And I know I've prayed them. 
in Matthew 14, 30. I don't want to put that one up there or not. Yeah, I did. Lord, save me. That was a great prayer. It was an effective prayer because it was from the heart. He was walking on water and lost faith and started to sink. And he said, Lord, save me. I've been in situations where, and I've told you that I was in a car going 65 miles an hour or 60 miles an hour on a dirt road, two, mile, uh, two feet drops on both sides of the road. And I had two flat tires at the same time. And that car is going, and I'm going back and we're trying to figure out what was going And I knew that thing was going over because I had no control of it. And it just flipped, reversed, went through the air and dropped on the other side of the road, facing the other direction off the other side of the road. That thing would have flipped over. I would have rolled and rolled and rolled and rolled. And I wouldn't have been here. And somebody say, somebody may say, uh-oh, we could have had a real, we could have had a real good preacher. <laughs> But all I could say was, Lord, help. I didn't even say the Lord. I just said, help. That's all I said. It was effective prayer because God answered it. You grabbed that car. Instead of it flipping, he went and dropped it on the other, dropped it there. Now, I didn't like the fact that I got two flat tires. Randy didn't like it either because he had to change them. I just went back home and said, Randy, you got flat tires. You got to fix them. I'm taking your car. <coughs> he had more leniency at work than I did. <laughs> So, and the third area Jesus deals with is the right and the wrong way to fast. Now, we hate that word fasting, and I don't like it either, because as soon as we hear the word fasting, we think, oh, no, I can't eat. And what am I going to do? Somebody brought me some chocolate chip cookies. What am I going to do? How can I fast them? They're crying to me. I can hear them. Eat me. <laughs> so we hate that word, and that's what we automatically think of. But there's other uh, applications to fasting. I hope all of us are fasting sin. Some days I'm fasting a lot of sin. Some days I give in and I, <laughs> and I don't. Not, I try not to. I fight it. I fight it. But the reality is we struggle with it. But fasting means laying aside any pleasurable and or vital activity for the per per period of time in order to seek God. That's what fasting is supposed to be for. The issue isn't how often we fast, but how and why we fast. We've got to have a reason to do it. And when you're fasting, whatever it is, that time is supposed to be dedicated to God. If you're, not, if you're fasting food, and you're, the time that people are eating and you're watching TV, you've lost it. You've missed it. You're supposed to be exchanging it, whatever it is you're doing to, serve, to pray. Seek God. So if you're fasting food during the time you're supposed to be eating, you should be praying to God or reading his word or doing something like that. That's what it's for. It's not saying, well, I'm just suffering, so oh, I can't do this. And I hate fasting because sometimes I see fasting as people laying on the floor like a kid and kicking their feet in their own way. That's what I envision. And I've had this problem my whole life thinking about fasting that way. I have a, tr I have a problem with it. And I got to realize and decide it isn't just fasting food. And I was glad, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we can fast other ways. And some people can't fast because your metabolism, the way it is, if they fast, they get sick. So if I tell somebody, you have to fast, I say, God has to give you that in your heart. You want to fast, you do it. It's between you and God. And then whatever it is that you fast, at that time should be spent with God. So Jesus isn't condemning fasting, but it's fasting done with the wrong reasons. That's what he was dealing with. Now, first of all, Jesus tells us there's a wrong way to fast, Matthew 5, 16. Do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their face, 
and they may appear to man in the fasting. Surely I say to you, they have the reward. Now, I talked about that with the ashes on the face or whatever just a minute ago, so I'm not going to repeat it. But that's what they were doing when they were fasting. They wanted everybody to know they were fasting. And that isn't why you fast. It's supposed to be between you and God. And they were, they were out there going, oh, me, oh, me. And they should have been spending time with God. They weren't. They wanted to be, see me, I'm fasting. I'm more spiritual and righteous than you because I'm fasting and you're not. Nah, 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 nah. That's all right. I, I'm eating a steak and you're not. Or I'm eating a really good hamburger and you're not. Go ahead. Put it all over your face. But that's between me and God. Uh, the attitude to fast is, well, is bad as far as the, the way that the Pharisees were doing it. And even self-denial can be self-gratifying when we do it for the sake of being noticed by others. Now, we have a lot of things that, that happen in our life. This is an example. In a campus outreach group, Christian students were strongly urged to carry their Bible as a sign of faith and a witness to others. After all, they weren't embarrassed to carry a chemistry text or novel. Why be shy about carrying their Bibles? But pretty soon, it, it was noticed that some of the Christians were carrying an exceptionally big Bibles, like hypocrites in Jesus' day. They were trying to establish a reputation of godliness. Now, I'm not saying if you're carrying a Bible to work or you have one in your desk or whatever it may be that you're doing it the wrong way. It's when you're doing it that you want people to say, see me? I'm a Christian. See, I carry my Bible. If you was a believer and had a real religion, then you'd carry a Bible too, see? I am. And we can turn something that's good about taking a Bible to school or taking it to church or whatever, not church, hopefully you got a Bible here, but it taking it to work wherever it is and reading it because it's between you and God. Not to be, people, oh, look at me, I'm more righteous. And if you do take one, it, it will give you an opportunity to talk to them about God. So if you use it as a witness and a testimony, that's okay. You want them to notice it because you want them to ask you questions and you want to be able to help them find God because they changed your life. Amen? Uh, let's see, Matthew six seventeen. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Get rid of those ashes. Get rid of those. Anoint your head. You don't want no cradle cap. So that, on, so that you do not appear to men as fasting, but your Father who is in secret, in a secret place, and your Father who sees in this secret will reward you openly. Now, I said you're going to get a reward one way or the other. You're going to get it from God or you're going to get it from man. Of course, if you're fasting at, uh, at home, if it happens to be food, your family will notice it. And, it, and they'll take notice of it. It'll be a good witness and testimony when you're willing to uh, fast instead of uh, eating or whatever it is. I meant, I'm not fasting any football games today either. <laughs> this is the NFL season starts. Yay! Yay, we're looking forward to that. But if God called me to fast them, I would. I have on occasion. <laughs> I, I, huh? Oh, <laughs> oh, that's true too. But I, I'm not watching at all. Uh, I would, you know, if God asked me to, I wouldn't do it. But uh, that's just one thing. You can fast TV. You can fast chocolate. Oh, all the hard things. <laughs> and a lot of people fast different things. I know that during Lent, they have to pick up, pick something that they they are willing to give up for Lent, however, for their Lent or whatever it is. But there are things that we can do other than fasting food. If you're called to fast food, then do it. Spend whatever time you're doing it. Spend that half hour. I'm going to fast a half hour TV. That's great, but go ahead and spend it with God. Don't sit there in front of the t with the TV thinking, oh, I've got 15 more minutes. Then I turn the TV back on. Oh, I've got ten, five minutes. 
then you're doing it for the wrong reason. Go and spend time with God. And you might find out that that half hour may turn into an hour. Because when you go to God, he will meet the need. I know it's hard at first, but it gets easier every time you do it. Trust me. (laughs) Now, fasting was seen as a way of gaining favor and attention of men. Now, uh, Leviticus 23, 16 this is the Good News Bible. It says, From sunset on the ninth day of the month to the sunset on the tenth, observe this day as a special day of rest, during which nothing may be eaten. This is the only scripture that, that commanded them not to eat anything. This was a command. It didn't matter what your motive was. God told you, told them to do it, and they weren't to do it. And this is, he's talking about the Day of Atonement. That's the most holy day that they have. And it's coming up this month. Amen! That means the Feast of Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. Woo, then the Day of Atonement. I always get excited this time of year because that's when I think the rapture is going to take place. We only may have two weeks and we get to go home. Woo, that's exciting. But he can come anytime he wants, but this is my own personal belief in that when it will happen because there's the only feast where there's two day, a two-day window for it to happen. Anyway, that's, that's in the future a couple of weeks, so I won't get, get distracted by that. Just know it's coming. And uh, <clears throat> another thing that happened because of fasting was a lot of contention about it. Matthew 9, 14 and 15. Then John's disciples came to Jesus. They said, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples never do? Jesus replied, can wedding guests be sad while the groom is still with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast. There's, I'll tell you, when people start doing religious stuff, they don't like it if you're not doing it. You know, I, I've told people many times, that if the true Christian churches in this area would just unite together, we could do a lot more for God. But we, we have all these things that separate us. Well, I don't like you people. You believe in the Holy Spirit. Or you believe in healing, and that, we, we lost that because that only happened when the disciples were here. Give me a chapter and verse to that. It's going to continue till Jesus comes. Amen. Amen? So we don't like you people because, you know, you may talk in tongues or something. We don't like that. It scares us. So, let's start a new religion over here. Oh, we don't like, the, like that church because you sing just hymns. We like the new stuff. Or I don't like your church because you just sing hymns. Or you just sing the new stuff. And I like hymns. We have all this kind of contention that people are batting back and forth just like they did then. Theirs was over fasting. But Jesus tells them, hey, don't, don't you worry about it. When I'm gone, then they will do it. Because they're going to have a lot of issues and a lot of problems in their life that they're going to need to. They're going to need to get closer to God when I'm gone. They walked with him for three, three and a half years. How would you like to have been there during that three and a half years? Well, we say we would, but then you look at what happened to him afterwards. and you know, It's a lot easier for us life now than it was then. So I say, you know, I want to look, <laughs> but I don't want to be there specifically. So... <clears throat> So, uh, but there are people, fasting's good, except when they tell you certain things about religious things, say, uh, if, you're, if you're prosperous, then God loves you more, God's favor's upon you, and they preach that doctrine. We don't like that doctrine, because it isn't true. How many people have heard on TV, said, if you send in $100, God will give you 1000 And if you send in $1,000, God will give you 10000 You heard that? I have. They're doing it for the wrong reasons. If somebody sends money in, they're, they're doing it for the reason of getting money. And I don't think all of them get money. Some of them may, but the majority probably don't. 
But they have to do whatever they can to get money from them, and so they do. That's not what God calls us to do. God has all the money he needs to do everything he wants to do. The problem is it's in your pocket or your bank account. <laughs> and God's got to shake us up and do Practically, you know, I've seen these things about the things where they pick the guy up and shake him upside down until everything falls out of his pocket. That's kind of sometimes what God has to do with us when the offering plate's going about. Got to pick us up and shake us. Be there to catch it as it comes out. <laughs> but God wants us to be cheerful when we do that. So Jesus gave us three ways our righteousness can exceed the scribes and the Pharisees. The hypocrisy of these religious leaders had removed anything spiritual from these three most important things of their foundation, of the religion that they had. Giving, prayer, and fasting. Now we're expected to do all these things. I've been fasting sin, I've been fasting certain sins for the whole, year, whole time I've been a Christian. And if God asks me to do something, I'll do it. And well, I think I will. <laughs> I hope I'll do it. But I believe in God that God wants us to live a life a certain way. And we can only live it when we're close to him. And sometimes those things aren't, make us uncomfortable. Sometimes it makes us give up cheesecake or chocolate chip cookies. The important things in life, you know? And ice cream. I'm glad he lets me eat ice cream. I'm so glad that watch football. Amen? Do we give, pray, and fast to be seen by others? If so, that's our reward. But every day, every day, whatever we do for God, we'll be rewarded either to be seen of men, and they will reward us. Say, oh, man, what a great job you did. Man, you're exciting. If we're doing it for that, then we've lost our reward. If you're doing it for God and somebody happens to say, hey, that was a great job, that's okay. You just tell them thank you. Amen? But I want to be rewarded by God. I want to do things from my heart. And I'm not going to worry about spending all the time trying to figure out did I do this for God or for me? If I did that, I wouldn't be here every Sunday because some mornings I wonder, well, why am I doing this? <laughs> why am I here? To serve God. Amen? From the heart. I want to do it from the heart, don't you? Let's pray. Press Heavenly Father, Lord, and thank you, Lord, for this day. And thank you, Lord, that you're a God who wants a relationship with us. I'm so thankful for that because a, a religion I can't live. I know that I'm not perfect in living that relationship, but I know, Lord, that you are. And I know that when I get out of step, Lord, you convict me and you pull me back in. And I'm thankful for that, even though I don't like it at the time. But I know, Lord, that all you want is the best for me. And all you want is the best for this congregation. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd help each of us to realize how important that relationship is. Because we don't have a religion. Religion is a condemning thing that just, we can't live. No one can live a religion, any religion. Lord, but we can live a relationship. Maybe not perfectly, but you didn't ask us to be perfect because we're not perfect. We're sinful, and our nature is sinful. And Lord, every time we turn around, that old nature wants to stick, it, stick its ugly head up. And, and just we have to argue with it, but we have to push it down. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to do those things. Help us, Lord, not to yield to the things, Lord, that, that are displeasing to you. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be sensitive to your spirit. And when you call us to pray, Lord, let us pray. When you call us to fast, let us fast. And when you call us to give, Lord, help us to give. And, Lord, I know that you're able if our hearts are right. And, Lord, I pray that this morning for each of us, Lord, that we do things the way that you'd have us do them. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say, amen. Now, I know that most of us are believers, but I know that some here may not be because I don't know your heart. Only God knows your heart. I know a lot of things, and sometimes God reveals things to me. 
but sometimes he doesn't. So I don't know what your heart is this morning, but do you know him this morning? Are you a believer? Have you accepted him as your personal savior? If you haven't, you're trying to live a religion and you're going to struggle and you're going to fail. I failed a lot of years trying to live a relationship because I didn't get it. And then one day it was that aha moment. And when you get that aha moment, it changes your life. God wants to change your life from trying to live a religion to a relationship if you don't know him. Anyone here this morning? Okay, 